Good morning and welcome to Oikos. We are glad that you're with us as we continue the series called New Beginnings. I hope that you have been seeing some new beginnings in your own life as you've been working through a new year. As we look at today's lesson, we're going to be in Genesis. We continue with the story of Abraham and we're going into the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. So if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 2, go ahead and go in that mode right now. You'll find Genesis as the first book of the Bible, and then you just move into about 22 chapters, and you'll start seeing the story we'll be looking at today. The thing about new beginnings is that not all new beginnings are exciting. Not all new beginnings are easy, and not all new beginnings are ones that you want to do. I bet some of you have experienced a new beginning where you said, I really don't want that new beginning. What we're going to look at today is, are we willing to release control and simply trust that what God has in store for you is good, whether you want it or not? Are you guys excited? Woo! This is a good day. So as he leads us into these new beginnings, are we willing to release control and simply trust? There's a good verse from Paul as he spoke to the Thess- Thessalonia church. He spoke to them very clearly and he wanted to empower them because he knew there would be many new beginnings for them as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says this, always be joyful. Did anyone accomplish that this week? Everything, ooh, look at that. We are a joy-filled church. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Jason led us through a wonderful, Jason and Ashley and the band led us through a wonderful time of worship, reminding us in our confession that God is a God who wants to hear us. He doesn't get tired of our voice. So Paul's telling the the Thessalonica church, never stop praying. He wants to hear you. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Every new beginning, whether you want it or not, our response as we follow Jesus is to give thanks. I want you to reflect for a moment. This week, when something started that you didn't want, did you give thanks? So is this a new beginning we can all engage in as a church? Because I bet what we normally do, our normal mode, is when something starts that we don't want, our first reaction is not to say, thank you, God. In this, you're going to do something good. So I'll be patient and I'll endure. And wait to see with great expectation what you're going to do. If it's really, really bad, you must be doing something really, really good that's not yet revealed. But more often we go, 
who's the first first person I can go complain to? Because this, and I won't say it, (laughs) because I'll get in trouble with some kids and then their parents. So this really just doesn't feel good. Who in church today likes to be in control? (laughs) Amen. Boy, I've had conversations with you. You like being in control, but you know what? People might be amazed at this. I like being in control. I know that's a huge, like, really? You like to be in control? No way. Have you ever been driving in a car? Actually, not driving. But feel like you should be? You're in the passenger side or you're in the back. And what you really want to do is just tell that person who's driving that they don't know what they're doing. Because if you were in control, this would be much better. And you could actually trust if they would just do what you told them, that you would get there safely. What about... You're in your living room, and you don't have the remote control. (laughs) But basically, you're operating it via someone else that you're telling how they should operate the remote control. Change the channel. Fast forward. Why are you going so slow? Turn it up. Turn it down. Now, if you're a person in control and someone else is trying to do that to you, you don't like it either. You want to take that remote control and throw it at their head. (laughs) And you forget that you're always supposed to be joyful and give thanks for the person who's really irritating you. With my father-in-law, we go round and round on this one. The thermostat. You have control, and you set at a certain temp, and then your father-in-law walks by and moves the control. In my house, that's right. And you can be in the job site, or you can be in school, but you have a big project. And the dreaded words goes, this will require teamwork. So you will be assigned a team, and you will all have to work together to finish this project. And you get the dreaded person that you go, oh no, I'm going to have to make sure I do their part, because they won't do it well enough. So I'm going to do it for them. I remember in school, when they would do these assignments, this is very unlike me, but I would say, Why don't you just not do it, and I'll do it for you? Because I want an A, and I don't think you can do that. What do we do when it's not easy to trust? And what I've observed from just watching human behavior is that we grasp to try to take control. Even if you're not a natural leader, you just try to take control because it's, you can't trust God or you can't trust that person. And so you grasp trying to take over the situation 
because you think you could probably do it better. You could probably have a better idea. God isn't really saying that. He's probably saying this, what I want. What do we do when we want to be in control? What do we do when it's extreme circumstances, not a remote control, not the thermostat? Some of you may think that driving is extreme, but really extreme circumstances. When we become scared, when we become hurt, what do we do? I want us to take a look at a video of three couples who realized they weren't in control and they could only turn to one person. God asks us to trust, and actually I was reminded of this earlier by a much more seasoned pastor, that trust and believe are the same word in Greek from pistis. But specifically trust in English translations, he asks us to trust him over 200 times in the Bible. Trust. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what he's asking us to do, no matter where we find ourselves, to trust. It's hard. We get to see the difficulty of this journey of trusting in the story of Abraham and Isaac. So in chapter 22, go ahead and open up your Bibles. Let's look at the story together. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. You know, Abraham, a few chapters before this, had already tried to take control. If you remember through the readings, he said with his wife, Sarah, you know what? I don't know if we're actually going to have an heir, so how about we just have Hagar? You know, Sarah was kind of promoting this. Have Hagar come, and you sleep with her, and then she'll get pregnant. And then this promise that God has made, we'll make sure it happens. How many times do you try to make sure something happens? Rather than stepping back and simply trusting. Well, Abraham had done that. He had a son, Ishmael. About 15 years later, things weren't going so well between Hagar and Sarah. And he sends Hagar with Ishmael away, and he loses a son that he loves to keep the family in peace. Sarah's had Isaac by this time. So maybe Isaac's around three to five years old, maybe a little bit older. He loves Isaac, and now Isaac is his only son because Ishmael has been sent away. And God says, you're going to lose him too. Would Abraham try to run away? Would Abraham try to hide Isaac? Those would be the things that we would try to do if we were trying to take control, right? Somehow, I will take 
the power and authority that only God has. And even though he said, this must be so, I will change it for my own benefit because I think I know better than God. That's what we do when we say, I don't want to trust or believe and I cannot release control. I want you to think back in your life and in this past week, how many times did you tell yourself in a situation, I think I should take control rather than trust in the promise of God. It probably was in different things. For Abraham, his whole life was wrapped up in this one little boy named Isaac. He would inherit everything. He would fulfill the promise of God. And he would have to take Isaac up on a mountain according to what God has just asked him to do. Now for us, maybe our life isn't wrapped around one individual. But what is your life wrapped around? What could the Lord ask you to take up a mountain that you would hesitate taking up a mountain? What's in your life right now that you would say, I just absolutely cannot lose? Or I absolutely will not give up to God? Does everybody got something? It should be the first thing that comes to your mind because it's a thing that you go, if you asked me to do this, I wouldn't do it. Who or what is the Lord asking you to take up a mountain? Verse 3, the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come back. Abraham knew something, and it's all in one word, we. And we will come back. What did he know? We don't know for certain, but Scripture will tell us a little bit of insight from Hebrews. So if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19, it says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham trusted God in this circumstance in his life, that no matter what God had asked him to do, and no matter how bad it seemed it would be, God would still fulfill his promise. And so the only way he could think that could happen is that he would raise him from the dead. Now the awesome thing about this is that this is exactly what God would do with his own son for us. So we call Isaac a type of Christ. 
one who would be sacrificed for the lives of others. A foretelling, a, a prophecy of what the Messiah would be like. And if you read the story, if you didn't read this week, if you got off your readings, how many of you guys read this week? It's increasing. Let's give a hand, applause, because the Lord is doing something. That's good. Now, a few of you, I know you were reading and you just kind of, you forgot. Don't feel bad. You forgot. Don't let that stop you from re-engaging. So this week, if you forgot to read, go back into the story because you will see there's some definite connections between going up this mountain with Isaac and Abraham and then read the crucifixion of Jesus and see the parallels between the two. Definitely a story where you see a bit of the Messiah revealed for the people. So Abraham decided it would be better to trust God and release control, just do what he says, than to take him and hide him or go run or seek shelter to try to save his own son. Instead, he turned his most prized possession over to the Lord and said, he's better in your hands than mine. He's better in your hands than mine. Now think back, what is the one thing that you're not willing to give up? Now rethink that and say, whatever I'm not willing to give up, would it be better in God's hands than mine? I can tell you, I don't want to give up my kids. I mean, if God asked me to do this, I would hesitate. I would think of different ways because I do like control. How can I navigate this situation so that I end up doing what God wants, but I get what I want? But Abraham didn't do that. He made preparations, he got his son ready, and he trusted that God would either raise him from the dead or he'd do something. Verse 10, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. This is a key verse because it shows that Abraham didn't just take him up on the mountain because I kind of think this is what I would have done. Obeyed up until the point that it got dangerous. And I would have just like acted like I couldn't start a fire or got a splinter in my finger or something that would be like, well, God, I had to do this other thing before I could do that. And, or I got to go to the bathroom before I get to this. Um, and wait, come on, I'm giving you time, Lord, because I want to be in control to make this happen so I don't have to do what you're asking me to do. But Abraham just continued. He picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. 
So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place in place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What's that thing that you want to hold on to that you're not willing to release to God? Is it a way of life? Is it a thing? Is it a person? What are you willing to turn over to see the Lord's will be done? Psalm 37 says it this way, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust in him, and he will help you. That sums up the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was willing to commit everything he did to the Lord. He trusted him, and God helped him. Am I willing to commit everything to the Lord is a question that we need to ask ourselves this morning. Everything that I call mine, my children, my finances, my house, my family, my friends, just think of all the things that you use that word, my, or mine. Are you willing to commit all those things to the Lord? We have any takers today? So we'll see this grow over time. So what I want us to do as a church, because that seems daunting, right? A little daunting, scary. It seems scary to say, I'm going to commit everything. What the Lord is actually calling us to do is take the first step up the mountain. Take the first step and say, I will commit something that I haven't before. I will start a new beginning with the things that I held tightly here and said, it's better in my hands than in your hands. I will begin to release those things one by one by one. So for some of you, it may be fear. When you're fearful, it's better for you to hold on to it and take control and figure it out than to release it and say, I will trust in the Lord who is my good father who has said, I will protect you. I will watch over you. I am with you. Take the first step today and say, one of my fears, if I have a bunch of fears, one of my fears, I'm going to ask the Lord, help me to release it to you. Help me to take it out of my hands and put it in yours. Help me to commit it to you. God will help you. I want you guys to write that down. That's the gospel for today. We think we can't do this, and that's why when I ask, who's willing to commit everything to the Lord, we had five hands. But if the Lord of the universe is willing to say, I will help you, can we not say, I will try? So who's willing to try to commit? Awesome. So in the middle of trying, you're going to fail. Sorry, I know that's a downer. You're going to find yourself in that space where you're fearful and you don't want to commit it. Or you're going to be in your finances and you're going to say, I want to commit that, but I'm scared because 
you know, the job layoffs are happening, I'm scared about it. Or you're going to be scared that, or fearful that if you really give your children up to the Lord, if you really trust that He loves them more than you, that somehow they won't grow up to be successful. You need to have control. You'll fail. I want you to remember the words that God will help you. And how do we know it'll help us? Because he wants to hear our voice. He's waiting to bend down and listen to you in your despair, in your helplessness, and say, God, help me. I don't know if I've ever publicly shared this before, but I, here it goes, so get ready. Yes. I heard a yes. There's been two instances in my life when I had to scream out, God, help me. One was in college, and the other one was in seminary, and they both happened in dorm rooms. They both happened on a dorm room bed, which isn't very comfortable. It's like that plastic bed, you know, and it's all gross anyways. You have to lay on it. I wasn't asking for help to get a different bed, but that's, I should have. But it happened in these two places, very similar but different in geographic location. One was in Seward, Nebraska, and one was in St. Louis. One I was studying to be a director of Christian education, and the other I was studying to be a pastor. And in the middle of the night, I felt a big pressure on my chest like I couldn't breathe. And this voice that was very dark was saying, I'm going to get you. I am going to get you. And I got scared. And I went to scream out something, but I couldn't say anything. And then finally, the words... Jesus, help me, came out. And in that moment, everything ceased. Now, you could have said, did you eat at Amigos and have a bad burrito? Did you, uh, you were, were you tipping a little bit too much? What were you doing? And I really, honestly, I can't tell you, I don't even remember what I had eaten that day. I didn't, I don't. I believe I wasn't drinking that day. It was just a normal night until I went to sleep. But when I called out and said, God, help me, he did. And that's my testimony, knowing that in two instances where I do believe the darkness, the kingdom of darkness, was doing everything in his power to tell me not to go lead people for Jesus. But Jesus helped me, and he brought me through. So when I say those words that I want you to remember, that God will help you, my life has two instances where I know he helped me. And now there's other times where I've said, God, I really need your help in this. But it's more like a conversation. It's not a plea and cry that I have nothing to offer, all I need is for you to help me because I can't do anything. I have no control in this. Help me. I know you all have had similar experiences 
Maybe not where you hear a voice and it's pushing down on your chest. Maybe it's just in the middle of something that you really just don't know how to figure out. You're lost and you feel frozen. It's in those times I want you to remember these words that God will help you. He loves you as his children. He knew Abraham by name. He knew Isaac is by name. He knows you by name. He doesn't leave you. He loves you. God will help you. And that's how we can trust. So how do you trust? You release control. You can release control because you know that God will help you. We know that God will help us in every circumstance. Abraham knew that God would help his son. God is always doing something. Abraham, I believe, knew that God would do something. Abraham believed that God did do something. And Abraham believed that God will do something. That's how he lived life. That God is always doing something. And we know that God is good, so everything he does is So God is good, so everything he does is no matter what it looks like in this present time. The things that happen to us, does God want you to get sick? No. Can he bring goodness out of that sickness? Yes. He can either heal you now or he will heal you in his heaven or when he comes again but he wants you complete. He wants you to be perfect. He doesn't want you to make yourself perfect. He wants to make you perfect and release you from your fear and your shame and your pain. God will help you too. In fact, we know that he already has through Jesus. It's faith in Jesus knowing that we have a future and a hope that no matter what we are faced with today, there's a better tomorrow. No matter what we're faced with today, there's a better tomorrow just waiting for us because we're in Jesus. First Peter said it this way, and Peter, he had a great testimony with life with Jesus. He experienced those times in deep fear and where he failed failed so much that he didn't even want to say that he was a friend of Jesus. And yet Jesus called him back and Peter continued to move forward. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have now been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith or your trust, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Verse 6, so be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials 
for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. May we be a people who trust. That we trust that the promises that God has given us are better than the ones we can create. That we will release control in areas of our life where we've been trying to hold tight. We'll open up our hand and say, it's better in your hands, Lord, than mine. My children are better in your hands than mine. My money is better in your hands, Lord, than mine. My relationship with my wife is better in your hands, Lord, than mine. My son who's in jail is better in your hands, Lord, than mine. My father who is sick is better in your hands, Lord, than mine. The hospital that I don't want to go into because my friend is really sick, that hospital is better in your hands, Lord, than mine. I will release control and walk with you. Amen? Amen.